You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. to this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group radio show for Monday the 16th of August 2021. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the, of the land from which we transmit people-powered radio. Thanks to Democracy Now! for the previous hour of Current Affairs. My name's Chris and uh, Yarra Bicycle Users Group radio, we show about bikes, cycling, uh, active transport, getting around on by your own power and uh, on today's show I am going to be chatting to Stephen Nurse about his new book and it's an update of the cycling zoo and uh, I'll be talking about that uh, in just a little while and uh, I hope you got out and enjoyed uh, 18 degrees of balmy summery almost summery weather after some of the uh, uh, really cold days we've had and you got out and enjoyed yourself. Uh, I noticed that the paths are really chockers. But, uh, yeah, when you're in lockdown six, do what you can and do it safely to enjoy yourself. Now, in the last week or so, you would have noticed that the... I'll just bring that up. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change brought out their new report. Uh, the And... Uh, there's been a lot of uh, commentary about it, but a lot of it, um, you know, point to the positive here or ex- accentuate the positive, is that um, there are things that we all can do, and I don't mean just the end user. I'm talking governments, business, and all the rest of it can do to alleviate this with human-powered transport. And uh, today's interview with Stephen will kind of illuminate your eyes onto what um, bikes can actually do. You know, you're all probably very familiar very familiar with the safety bike frame and uh, there's other variations thereof which are fantastic for payload for carrying things and all the rest of it and I've been looking at a lot of uh, commentary to do with the IPCC um, report you know uh, you know it's beyond crunch time and governments and various levels of organizations be it um, private or um, business and all the rest of it, or public, have got to commit to active travel and making it safer because, well, that's simply what we've got to do to bring emissions down so we don't reach these horrible targets that have, well, what's going to happen mid-century and it's not that far off. This is 2021 and there's things that can be done. Let's have an emphasis on what can be done. Okay, after the break, I'm going to be chatting to Stephen Nurse about this book. It's kind of partially our discussion. Of, it's partially a review, partially kind of a glimpse of what uh, the, the book entails. And, you know, if you're, if you're new to things in terms of the cycling universe, this would be a pretty good introduction. To enable change, we need to show broad community support. 
Show your support for walking and cycling in the city of Yarra by appearing as a champion on the Streets Alive website. Representing your local street, neighbourhood or school. It's fast, free and simple. Learn more at streets-alive-yarra.org. A 3CR supporter. Stephen Nurse, so I'm a mechanical engineer and a bike rider. So I've just come out with a new edition of my book called Cycle Zoo, and I put out a version about 12 years ago. And Chris Starr happened to interview me about that book when that came out. Yeah, as well. I did too. Yeah, and that file's still available, which is which is amazing. So you did this, you know, as you said, uh, quite a while ago, and now you've done a, a, a new version, which is greatly expanded in a hell of a lot more detail. But I do like the strap line or the byline on it, bikes for the 21st century. It's just so, uh, I say, comprehensive, where you start, like it's a really inclusive book in terms of people's stories, like cycling f for a cause with Gail Potts, You've got a board game with Alison McDonald and a whole bunch of stuff, speed bikes with Adam Hari. But you do yeah. start off with, you start right at the beginning with cycle principles and going right through that in terms up to electric cycles and vehicles and the like. And then you go into great detail about specific types of bikes. I've had experience and I've been, you know, out and around and riding with all sorts of people like Ben Goodall from Trisled and I knew um, Ian Sims from Greenspeed and different people like that. And I've been sort of immersed in this human-powered vehicle field. But for most people, they'll just see a recumbent bike once every two weeks or a recumbent trike once every two weeks or three weeks. And there's no big picture there. But I, I just thought the big picture's worth telling so that people can get an idea of what's out there and what might suit them rather than just go, oh, well, there's an old guy on a trike. Oh, you know, I, <laughs> that's not me. <laughs> but yeah, something but else that's slightly different might be you. So, Introduction or the acknowledgements, it's really good that you've got Dan Oakman who I wrote that book, Opied, A Life of Sir Humbert Opperman. So, like, you, you understand, like, you know, safety bikes and, you know, how that's gone with the high-end version of that, you know, but we're not here to discuss racing. We're here to discuss all those other things in the cycle zoo. Yeah, that's right. Racing's got a particular set of rules and a particular goal, and that's fine, but it's like for the 21st century, cycling needs to be transport. It's a very low energy-consuming form of transport. It keeps you fit. Times like this, if you can do an hour's exercise that includes shopping, it just improves your mental health as well. I mean, there's been a big demand for bikes because of that. People are realising it more. There's more to bikes than just the standard safety bike. And, yeah, I'm sort of bringing that across. So The kind of human-powered land transport, it's like it's cycling in a very broad sense of that drivetrain to the wheel, to the rear wheel or whatever whatever configuration 
yeah. and and have a think about all those hundreds of different designs that the bicycle can come in. It's interesting. I mean, there's there's a lot out there that um, never makes it into production, and you you know you can't get your hands on. But some of that's worth talking about. And I've made my own bikes, and they're um, included. And just talk about them. To be honest, I'm. I'm not really that good commercially and somebody else who'd had my designs might have, you know, have a shop selling hundreds of bikes a week if you'd, they'd had that drive, but I'm sort of like putting it out there in, in a different way. Yeah, but production and, and, is something else entirely. I mean, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't kind of bash yourself about too much like that. It's having the ideas. You know, that will happen eventually if, if people are interested or people are enthused enough. It's a different thing. One one way I've got of putting my bikes out there is um, having some plans on the internet. So um, if you're enthused enough about the bikes in the book that I've made and, you know, just used for everyday transport, then you can build one yourself. So that mm. takes a bit of skills, but maybe if you don't have the skills and you, your friends do or you can subcontract somebody or something like that. Female identifying artists aged 18 to 35 are invited to enter the Ellen Jose Art Award, a $15,000 non-acquisitive award. Ellen Jose was a pioneer in Australia's urban indigenous art movement and a radical activist and social justice campaigner. The award is given in the hope that it will support the winning artists' continued development by providing recognition as well as a financial boost. All six finalists will receive an artist fee and have the opportunity for their work to be professionally presented in an exhibition with an accompanying publication. The award is a partnership between the Ellen Jose Memorial Foundation and Bayside City Council. Entries are now open and close on Friday the 27th of August. Head to bayside.vic.gov.au and search for the Ellen Jose Art Award for all the details. A 3CR supporter. Love come your way What can I say You feel the hell You change your predominantly listen to the show they're probably really familiar with the safety bike frame you know the upright two-wheel drivetrain handlebars in a certain position all that sort of thing can you go through not exhaustively but just give us a bit of a you know pique people's interest in what's out there the upright riding position is really good at you know make no bones about it it's you know it's fantastic there's lots and lots of variety of bikes with the sort of basic diamond frame out it was invented a long long time ago when it was invented the opposition was horses you know and horses and carts and and so bikes could go faster than everything else oh yeah and you know wasn't that much need to improve it you know why why improve it you know but um you know things have been things have gone on you know and there's motorbikes there's cars there's all sorts of options for transport they've got better and faster and people abandon bikes you know some applications they're better and faster and you know bikes are, are not great for long distances and things like that going way back the bike's got a few problems like the most comfortable position is for you to be really bluff with the wind and you know you're riding and you're copying all the wind resistance 
and that slows you down once you get up above about 20 kilometres an hour. You can improve that and you can, you know, get your back flat, you know, like in the classic time trial position, but that's not necessarily that comfortable or something you want to do for that long or something that lets you see what the traffic is. So there's been that long movement and, you know, bikes have been around since the 1930s where you lie flat on your back. If you have a bigger seat, you're sort of more like in a lounge chair or in a in a car seat and you're, you're pushing less wind out of the way that way and you're also supported a bit more and can be a bit more comfortable. You're more aerodynamic at the same time. So you're talking um, about a basic but- recumbent sort of... Recumbent yeah, bike. Oh, well, that's a, that's a recumbent bike or a recumbent tri. Didn't the UCI ban these back in the 1930s because, you know, they could go faster than the safety bike frame? The track cycling that we've just seen on the Olympics all has a, you know, very rigidly defined set of rules and a more aerodynamic could go faster and did in the 1930s in, you know, in that sort of competition but then the sort of vested interests of cycling didn't want to nah. radically change the bike, and so it was banned. But in the book I talk about it, like like way back then some of the technology wasn't as good as it is now, so they didn't have aluminium rims, they didn't have aluminium or carbon frames, and like these bikes are a bit heavier anyway because they're not, they've got a longer frame. It's possible they weren't that good that then, and that they were ahead of their time. But much later, when commercial models became available and all the modern bike technologies there, you know, they're fine. The technology's caught up what these bikes can do. Um, you know, there's better brakes, there's better tyres, there's there's better rims, there's, you know, better everything. So a lot of people who ride recumbents have sort of got this sort of we was robbed attitude, you know, and, <laughs> and you know, like the UCI's bad and has always been bad. No, but, it was just a point of time. Know. It's a historical thing that one day might be overcome because things like, you know, composites and metallurgy and all that sort of stuff have just come a long way since the 1930s. And as you say, combine that with that technology, you've got some really interesting possibilities for people either to payload, get around, you know, in terms of what that might suit them. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be hard road for them to be represented in really top level competition. Oh, yeah, but... And to, I mean, this book's probably trying to address some of that and like get people a bit more familiar with what's out there. And I mean, and the other thing is, like, it's a hobby for me, and I I just have fun building things. And so yeah, I'm just talking about that too, I guess. Yeah, because there's something I noticed in the last day or so that uh, with payload and cargo bikes, which this is where you know, different styles of bike lend themselves beautifully to, because I'm just actually looking at something for DHL. And you know, they've got uh, pretty large containers on the back of these two bikes, and they're, they're recumbent. They foresee the career business taking up 43% of cargo bikes. Kind of, um, this is overseas numbers, but could hit 900 million this year. This is, I think, in the UK. And by a certain amount, um, hell of a lot more in terms of industry share. So we're not talking kind of outlier stuff. We're talking this is now. Yeah. Big companies like DHL are looking at you know, your last mile logistics, all that sort of stuff, last kilometre logistics here in Australia, I think, of looking at these this style of transport. 
I've tried to talk about load carrying as well. So, like, they're the two sort of parts of technology. There's there's load carrying and there's um, being recumbent and making the aerodynamics better. You know, there's a little bit about sort of combining the two in one bike. The people like DHL, they just want the best comfort for their riders and they, they're not looking at a safety bike. And no. Recumbent position is, I mean, I always argue to people when you're watching the TV, you know, in your lounge room, are you sitting on something that's like a bike seat? And people immediately say, no, of course, it's not very comfortable. And, mm. and I go, well, look, this is the same on a bike, you know. If, I, if I'm going to be here for six hours a day in a long ride, I'm, I want something a bit more comfortable. You know, it's just, yeah. it's just well, a bit logical, but you need to sort of explain it. Uh, you know, in a different field and then bring it back to bikes and, you know, people will scratch their head and go, oh, maybe, you know. Yeah, well, for companies yeah, as big as DHL and likes and smaller businesses are doing serious R&D into this. This is where, you know, we come in getting to your book of introducing these ideas, not just to companies, but to people who are looking at new ways of getting about or examining their options, like, you know, recumbent velobiles and quads, you know, fully fared stuff. People around the inner north would be familiar with seeing um, box bikes or uh, Christiana sort of stuff, but you can carry so much more if you uh, move your thinking away from conventional sit-up safety frame. The sit-up safety frame, it's only with the advent of bike packing, which is quite um, recent with well, to me, it's quite recent. I don't know if maybe it's not. <laughs> I've only heard the term in the last few years. But people go on the Indian Pacific wheel race and 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 Trans Am races. Yeah. And, and they want aerodynamics and load carrying. That's sort of coming to the fore and you're almost getting to recumbent territory. They're almost thinking that a recumbent might not be a bad idea, but um, some people aren't quite there yet. But... Bike packing is a variation of bicycle touring, and it's kind of like getting away from using big panniers. You're, you're more using the, the bicycle frame, doing a leaner, cut-down thing yeah. of what you can carry on the bike. It's time to speak up, speak out, and speak loud. From an idea born on a park bench outside Liberal Party headquarters, where hundreds of women told their stories of sexual violence, introducing Feminist Fridays. Join our open speaking circle to tell your story any way you want. A poem, a speech, or a dance. You can even yell it out in the direction of Parliament House because that's where we'll be, on the steps. Feminist Fridays, starting Friday the 30th of April at 12 p.m. Join us. It's time to unite heal and take back our power. Feminist Fridays isn't just a protest. We are a non-hierarchical collective ready to destroy the patriarchy, starting with your voice. This event is taking place on stolen Wurundjeri land and voices of First Nations people are prioritised. Hosted by Loud, Angry and Not Sorry. A 3CR supporter. Give us a bit of some of the stories that you've done with this book, like um, Cycling for a Cause with Gail Potts. How did that come about? I volunteered at the We Cycle bike shed in Northcote. Gail runs that. I just wanted a few stories about different aspects of cycling. So I just talked to Gail about her, um, you know, how that was 
set up and the sort of cycling she does and and you know they were interesting stories you know like she talks about cycle commuting down a bike path for about 12 years and then meeting people are just talking to people yeah. at, the, at the traffic lights and they see the same people and then eventually you know going around to their houses and and becoming friends so you know there's just sort of interesting things like that with that that, that are other people's experience and, and and i mean i've i've got a bit of experience with cycle commuting so i can i can talk to people so you know getting a broader opinion and i i mean i didn't want it to be just what i do and what i know because that might turn people off or you want a break or something like that yeah so yeah and there's a few other people i interviewed nel sedano yeah. um who works at we cycle occasionally and is a bike identity around melbourne so what I really enjoy about this book, though, is you, you go from the initial, like, you know, cycling principles right through to physics and mechanics for people who are into that sort of thing. And then you start to, to describe the different forms of bikes and giving their stories. I, f- I find it refreshing. If you just said, you don't want to tell your story or your interpretation, it's more or less an introduction to, a, as you said, um, a big universe of other type human powered transport and right at the end you've got the tools and digital design tools and materials you may need I mean you know I'm, I kind of briefly came into contact with frame sets and all that sort of stuff back 20 years ago and probably should have done some more with it but what you're doing is taking away the um, some people's bewilderment or I don't know about this and laying out the tools where they can learn more about you know what, what the bicycle can can do it's demystifying is where I'm probably uh, getting to. With the recumbent bikes and things, I mean, it's all underlying bike technology. And I mean, they actually rest on all the standard bike parts. And if the standard bike parts didn't exist, then good recumbent bikes didn't, wouldn't exist. And so the tools that you use on the side of the road um, to fix things, there's no great mystery. They're exactly, I carry exactly the same thing that everybody else yeah. carries, except a few more tools because, you know, I don't consider that I can rock up to a bike shop and, or, you know, ask somebody for help and they'll have those tools. Yeah, well, so, you've got all the same kind um, of like group sets, the same sort of wheel diameters. There may be a few kind of really exotic things in there, like uh, you get your chain ring sizes I've seen, but most of it is really conventional production stuff. I mean, not, there's not many things that are actually invented for recumbents. They're more or less adapted, you know, for recumbents and, and other bikes like, like velomobiles. And then, you know, they, be, they become very useful on them, like things like through axles and things like that. And, yeah, it's interesting the way things are all adapted for the different types of bikes. The media in this country, we as Indigenous people know, have censored our right of telling the truth and the truth is what this country is most fearful of, in particular Indigenous truths. Until history is told by the vanquished lens, which is our people telling our story our way, and have the right to be able to incorporate that into a system of learning, well, people are always going to be denied that truth by deceit and lies. When you look at the type of psychological warfare and 
spiritual warfare that Aboriginal people are caught in. It's not just in the sense of military when they talk about weapons of mass destruction, but you're right, it's in terms of the media and the industry of media as a warfare against our people. And so is religion, I believe, in the Western sense. They're, they're all weapons of mass destruction against our, our people. We need to keep radical voices on air. Subscribe now. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. a little bit about kids bikes kids for the most part don't care what they're on if they get if they get on a bike and it goes for them they're extremely happy there's a lot of crap that goes on with kids like <laughs> a five-year-old bike that's you know got bloody fairy princesses on it yeah and stuff you know i mean that's it's that's marketing mate you know that the kid might like not like not a kilometer from us is big bikes and they put out quite good kids bikes yes I'm not really, I don't really say, oh, in the chapter about kids' bikes, I don't really say, oh, you have to do have this for your kid or you have to do that. I show my son, who's about 30 now, um, and his little, like, adventures on a bike. And, you know, like I like I do now, I fix secondhand stuff. And, and he learned on all sorts of things. And kids find their own way and on bikes if you can't get the, you know, the best big bikes or whatever. So... Mm. That's that's sort of what I talk about to some extent there. Yeah, and you can lead in other things, like you got the thing with Adam with the speed bikes. With, I mean, which is another kind of rabbit hole you could disappear into because it's just fascinating what you can do with that. Well, Adam went over to it's sort of like the best place in the world to ride speed bikes where the air's very thin and dry and it's warm and you've got the least air resistance and a very straight, flat road. Um, he went over there, I mean, the last event before COVID shut things down and he's gone on and I see his Instagram and I see all his tremendous efforts to build this really fast bike all by himself mm. and and he's doing things that entire university team are doing and he's like an electrician from Gosford you know so yeah. on the central coast of New South Wales so he's you know he's very talented uh, but also very driven so I, I talked to him for a bit excellent so yeah oh you got June June Nagami took, um, so I, I mean, I don't have the resources to get over there, but yeah. he, he's got a blog from Toronto in Canada. He's a professor academic over there who um, hangs out with all the human-powered vehicle teams, and his blog switches from being a urban cycling in Toronto to full-on about all the human-powered speed vehicles when he goes with his university team. So, mm. I mean, I... I, I spoke to everybody who I um, used a lot of photos from and he was one of them and, you know, sort of get the background story from his blog and stuff like that, yeah. So it comes to the question, how can people get a copy of your book, which is The Cycle Zoo Bikes for the 21st Century? The simplest thing is to go to my website. My website's modularbikes.com.au and I'll I'll get an, an up, 
I've already got an announcement in a certain place, but I'll get an announcement on the main page yep. about where to get it. It's printed print on demand. You can go to a few bookshops, bookshop sites, and you'll if you order a book, one book will be printed and that will be sent out to you. But the technology is such that that doesn't stop it being done at a reasonable price. Good. So um, what people uh, would be looking at for costs and that sort of thing? I think you should be able to get it something around $40. Yep. And I'm working on ebook versions as well. They're not quite finished, but that's even that's more environmentally friendly than print on demand. Print on demand's already a bit more environmentally friendly than printing 10,000 books that may not be sold. So Yeah, well you yeah. have you have a whole what was it, about 300 pages. And very well researched and incredible good detail. I just like the way it kind of lays it out instead of being some type of, you know, you've, you've got to have an engineering degree or some type of industry experience to understand all these complexities. It's like, no, you've you laid it out step by step by step with people's stories. I'd like for kids to read it because there's enough pictures there that it sort of gets you through and not actually realise they're reading something that's, you know, a bit a bit technical and and actually the last chapter talks about two in the context of um like playing cycling board games and stuff like that yeah that's great well thank you so much for your time today steve well i'm looking forward to an e-version i mean you've give you've provided me a a print version which is great because i've already started putting the um post-it notes all the way through it (laughs) oh well that's good chris I'm, I'm, i'm glad you're enjoying it i am And uh, thank you to Steve Nurse for making time so we could have a chat about Cycle Zoo, his new book. And uh, uh, just a quick bit of news. Uh, If you are indeed uh, female or, you know, uh, femme, and you're thinking of, um, you know, you've got a story to tell about how you got into writing, well, Lauren O'Keefe, and she's a master's student at the RMIT Student uh, School of Communication and Media, is researching women who ride in Melbourne. And the participant uh, information sheet tells you about the research project, explains processes involved in taking part. Knowing what is involved will help you decide if you want to take part in the research. And I've got a whole bunch of information here. And basically, what is the purpose of this uh, research is to explore the stories of women who ride in Melbourne. Current research seems to be heavily focused on cycling infrastructure, or the lack thereof, and it feels like the perspective comes from the idea that women simply don't ride bikes because they've decided it's too risky. Now, uh, and it's going to go into a whole bunch of things in terms of if you want to tell your story. I will put the link in the podcast uh, description, and you're probably thinking, where are all the podcasts at the moment? Well, yeah, we've had a little bit of a lag and things have been weird, and um, I'm going to spend the next day or so doing a bit of tidying so lauren's uh link to her survey will be in the podcast description anyway that's all i've got time for today thank you for listening um us announcers we're all volunteers and uh, 3cr stays on air thank you to the subscriptions and donations due to lovely people like you and uh 
Now, forget uh, podcast should be up at 3cr.org.au. Take care of yourself, be kind. And up next is Sheepop, followed by Black Block. CR would like to thank our Yarrabug program sponsor, Backrose Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics and sells bikes to the local community. If you have a healthcare card, they'll give you a bike free of charge. To find out more, search for Vacro online or drop into the underground car park, Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Thursday or Friday. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.